faithwire.com. The Biden administration is bracing America for a massive inflation hike on the way, and they're blaming it all on Vladimir Putin. Today is Tuesday, April 12, 2022. I am Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We'd love to have you with us as we go through the news of the day with a Christian perspective. And with me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire with a quick look at what's coming up on the podcast today. Happy Tuesday, guys. What's going on? Just dancing into the weekend over here. We're almost there. <laughs> it's so close. It's so close. Easter weekend. Yeah. That's one of the best 20, weekends of the year. 20 plus percent of the way there. Actually, I mean, most of us, I mean, most people, I would guess. Oh, I wonder how many companies are actually giving Good Friday off. I wonder what the... Yeah. Is yeah, it standard know. or is some like, ah, you... Either the Monday crazy after the Friday, I feel like. I, I do. Th- I feel like there's usually a day. I don't remember well, the I th- Monday. Yeah, I think it's usually the... Oh, well, I was going to say, I think it's usually been the Monday. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So because it's like, because Easter is a holiday, so it's Monday is observed, or Good Friday is only recognized by Christians. Yeah. That's oh, interesting. Also, I, it's... My, well, my, hold on. Yeah. No, Dan, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, I have to interrupt. It is. I have to interrupt. Yeah. Well, it's your birthday. Yeah. So I try to not to... Happy birthday. I mean, look, I'm on the fast track to 50, so it's kind of... You know, I'll enjoy these while I can, while I still got the four there. There's always a little bit of part, a little bit of you inside that dies inside each time you change the the left column on the. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. you, you get out of the thir- you get out of your twenties. You're like, oh, I'm in the thirties now. I'm like really an adult. And then you get into the forties. You're like, wow, what happened in my thirties? Oh, and then yeah. now I'm still in the forties. I'm like, wow, fifty. Wow, this is getting serious. Yeah, but, but you, know, you are really, really an adult. Yes. Well, we just wanted to say happy birthday. All right. Well, thanks. You, thanks. Yeah, you, you didn't birthday. want me to depress everyone with my aging monologue. No. So, okay. All no. right. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> what do we have coming up? Um, we're going to talk about these. Um, this really interesting conversation that we had with Ken Ham, you know, the Ark Encounter and Answers in Genesis. And he broke down. You know, we all know we're in a crazy culture, but how we got here, why we're here. And it was a very simple explanation, but a powerful one. Yeah. And we also spoke with a woman in Vancouver who was blocked for several days from seeing her seriously ill, cancer-stricken mother due to her vaccination status. Uh, oh, and the rules are completely inconsistent. So we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that. It's unbelievable that that stuff is all still going on, really, to be honest with you. And yeah. um, and Ken Ham, by the way, should get an award for just uh, being Bill Nye's foil. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's been a thorn in his side forever now, and it's great. It's fantastic. And he just invites them in, and they <laughs> hang out, and you know, he like it. They've had a number of interactions that debates. are very fascinating. Yeah, and debates everything else. So, all right, we're gonna start right here with our story number one, and um, this announcement. You know, this report that is out now that the consumer price index rose eight point five percent. For the year ended in March, um, that's not adjusted for seasonal swings, but uh, that is um, a new four-decade high. We haven't seen that kind of rate of increase of inflation since December of 1981, when uh, we were in the the uh, last days of the Jimmy Carter uh, reign there, So, uh, which has been marked widely by... Of course, energy crises and um, inflation, massive inflation. I mean, look at people who had to try to buy a house back then and the uh, and the, what it cost just from the interest rates. Um, it was just insane. It was insane. And so we're seeing these 
rate hikes now and people are worried. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, we expect the March CPI, which um, headline inflation, to be extraordinarily elevated due to Putin's Putin's price hike. That's that's uh, how they're messaging this thing, which is the second part of what I wanted to kind of talk about. Because this is the I mean, back in March, on the last day of March, just uh, you know, a little a couple weeks ago, Biden blamed Putin for uh, all the energy, like the gas price costs that we're seeing, and he said many people are no longer buying Russian oil around the world. I banned Russian imported oil here in America. Republicans and Democrats in Congress called for it, and I supported it. It was the right thing to do. But I said at the time, it's going to come with a cost. As Russian oil comes off the global market, supply of oil drops, and prices are rising. Now Putin's price hike is hitting Americans at the pump. So the messaging there, guys, is he's trying to put it on the, hey, we have to stick it to Putin together as as we're all in this fight against Putin and we just have to pay a little more at the pump. But the reality is the inflation story was coming well before any hint of Ukraine getting attacked by Russia was, was even on the radar. Uh, this was a thing. The prices were going up. Uh, people had been commenting on and then there were supply chain issues at the same time. So you had things getting more expensive, shelves empty. Uh, these things were happening before Putin, before Russia. Now, of course, a war breaking out in Ukraine doesn't help the situation. But for Biden to just blame this and Saki says it and calls it Putin's price hike. I mean, it's it's so clearly a catchphrase. It's so clearly a strategy. They don't want this pinned on them. And what's incredible is that in spite of all of this, um, Biden is polling at incredibly low numbers. His This is this is without the media, without um, anybody really hammering him 24-7, because I think we could all agree that the CNNs of the world, the MSNBCs of the world would have quite different headlines about the economy right now if there was a Republican in the White House. I mean, I think that's just, we've seen that time and time again. It would be overwhelming about all these stories about people struggling and, um, you know, not being able to make it and paycheck to paycheck. And what what is an increase of X amount at the pump due to the average person, et cetera, et cetera. You don't see any of those stories right now. I mean, it just seems like we're in happy la-la land if you're, if you're just watching the media. Um, and so, but even without any big push from the media, largely carrying the water for for President Biden as much as they can, uh, you still see these polling in the in the low 30s and uh, as an approval, which is insane, insanely low. And um, I think pe- that's because people are um, really feeling it. And and the fact that the that the White House is coming out and trying to get in front of this and trying to blame it on Putin and, and to address it. But this is a big deal this inflation and it's why does it matter guys i mean it's going to really impact you know people that have a steady job that are doing well it's going to be a pain point not life changing for them but for people who are kind of just getting by you know just kind of scratching and clawing to stay ahead this is really going to hurt them this is really going to hurt them as the market um you know reacts to this and uh you know it's just going to make it harder and harder for people to get by Things are going to get more expensive. And for those on the lower income side of things, it's really going to get tough. 
Yeah. And it, you know, it's, um, the first time this month and last month, you know, my wife and I were like, wow, you actually really feel it. You feel the cost, you know, of, of things going up, right? Yeah. You could see it in your bank account. You can see, okay, this is how much more we're spending on food. Gas has been, you know, my wife drives into New York city. Gas is crazy. Mm-hmm. And so you look at it and you think, gosh, this is not only is it bad for the country, but politically, it's not going to be good for whoever's in power when that's happening because they're going to be held accountable. Um, and, and even if the policies weren't creating, right. Cause I know there's different ideas about what's right, going right. on. It's still going to be a political problem for that, for that person. Um, and people are looking for, you know, they're looking for relief. They're looking for a leader to stand up and make them feel better. And I think that's part of what is going on. You have Ukraine and you've got, you know, the, the heads of other heads of state going to Ukraine, right. And showing, you know, a show of strength and we're not really seeing that. So there's a lot kind of, I think, missing that people want to see in terms of the tone and tenor of just bringing some peace to these scenarios. Yeah. I mean, anytime there's an economic downturn like there is now, I mean, historically it just does not bode well for politicians. Right. Um, so there's, there's definitely a need to pass the buck. Um, but also, and I know like people won't necessarily like this, but, uh, the reality is, is that a lot of this predated Biden because it happened in 2020 at the beginning of the year, uh, when we artificially halted, uh, an economy that was in good shape. Now Biden has absolutely done a whole lot to exacerbate the issue. Um, but uh, you know, I think we're just now seeing, we're just reaping the consequences of what we started just before Biden took office. Um, so, you know, I, I, I certainly do though, think that, that there has not been much done that's actually going to, to better the economy. Uh, and it's incredible to see, you know, a year into this administration and the approval, his approval rating, Biden's approval rating is so low uh, and so few of his decisions have done anything really to skirt the problems that we're facing. Uh, it's just a, it's an odd position, uh, but like you said, Dan, uh, the the media seems to keep uh, carrying the water. But I, I think uh, like both of y'all said, uh, at, at the end of the day, even if the, the administration and the media is continuing with a narrative, when people are feeling the pain in their pocketbooks, yeah, eventually that narrative just kind of stops working. It's not appealing anymore. Yeah, and, and it's never... Look, it's never whatever is going on with the economy. It's such a massive, complex thing that you can't blame all of it on just the president. You can't give them all the credit on just the president. Now, presidents will take the credit and they'll take the blame for a lot of it. And they do obviously have policies that can really, like you said, accelerate things or make it worse. Um, And so I think what you're seeing now is with the confidence numbers and the, and the approval rating numbers is that people do not have confidence in Joe Biden right now to lead right. and to lead us through this. And part of that is just his ability to communicate on the national stage. He's, he's, he's been very ineffective. I don't think there are any, many people who believe he's fully the one making all the shots right now, uh, because when he gets up there, I mean, he just doesn't seem to have command of the issues and, and he uh, seems confused. And he sometimes. seems, yeah. And yeah. it's, and it's, look, I, I've, you know, Biden has not always been this way. Obviously, he's aging, so that plays part of it. But even just when he was vice president, you did not see him communicate this way. He's always been kind of known for right. being a gaffe machine. That's kind of been his thing. But there's a difference between making a couple of, you know, laughable gaffes versus really struggling to communicate. And I think that's what we're seeing now. And, and when, when America's in a tough time, 
a, a good president will effectively communicate and help rally the country through it as best they can. And I just don't think you're seeing that right now at all. And so I think you're going to see those approval numbers as people struggle continue uh, to go down. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's going to be it'll be interesting to see because there's not a lot of time now between now and the midterms. Yeah. Right? And so oh. that that's going to be not good the for the Democrats. Yeah, uh, no, it does not. not looking good for them. If you're a Democrat or, you know, you're looking at it from the Democratic perspective, it's uh, going to be a tough day for them if things keep trending like this. Yep, Absolutely. All right, so our second story is all about Ken Ham. If you're familiar with, I think most people listening are probably familiar with him. He's the CEO of Answers in Genesis and the founder of the Ark Encounter, which is in Kentucky. It's basically a replica of Noah's Ark, and it's incredible. Dan, you've been there. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been there. It is just an amazing sight to see. Uh, We had him on our Faith versus Culture show at CBN, and we were talking with him about a lot of different subjects, but one of them was really that the cultural chaos and the secularization that we're seeing around us. What is driving that? That's been the key question everybody is talking about and debating and discussing. Um, and what I thought was so interesting is that Ken Ham basically approached it by saying, look, what's happening in our culture today is really nothing new. And I think that might sound strange to some people. And it's true. You know, scripture tells us there's nothing new under the sun. Um, He said it's a battle that's been going on for 6,000 years. Now, he's obviously talking about, um, you know, his his timeline on the creation of humanity, that throughout human history, it started in the garden with Adam and Eve, that there's really been this foundational battle. That's what he called it between God's word and man's word. And that that is what people are not really recognizing. They're focusing on all the issues, which he wasn't saying don't focus on the issues. But but his point was you can fight about gender and abortion and all these other things. And everyone's looking at those issues and saying, why do we have all these problems? But that people actually need to go back to the foundations and understand that these are all actually symptoms. They're not all the big problems. They're symptoms of the one big problem. And he said that problem is what happens when you build your thinking again on man's word and not God's word. He was very consistent on that. And it was interesting because he talked about how generations ago, even the non-Christians living in America had a Christianized worldview, right? Because it so permeated everything. Um, But that over time, there's been an assault on God's word, an erosion of really the relevancy of the Bible and culture, especially in the last 10 years, right? We, We all know that we've seen this, we've experienced it, we talk about it every day. Usually the stories we're talking about on the show here revolve around that, around that, you know, erosion of relevancy. And then he said, and this is an interesting quote. He said, when you start to attack the word of God, look at what's happening in the public education system. It's throwing God's word out, the Bible out, prayer out, creation out. And now their foundation is man's word from a perspective of naturalism, which is atheism. You know, he talked about how society moved from having this biblical respect to now saying that suddenly it's not the Bible that sets truth, it's man. And obviously the chaos that comes with that, everybody has a different view on what truth is. We've talked a lot you know, about this. So um, it was interesting because he said anything goes, but the one thing that doesn't go are the absolutes of Christianity, right? Like everybody's okay with everything else, but those <laughs> absolutes right. are suddenly a problem. Like you can believe and say and do whatever you want. But, but his point, again, I want to drive this home. If you want to understand what is happening in our culture Look at the fact that we've told generations and generations that the Bible is not absolute authority, that man gets to pick what is right and wrong, and that this is the fruit of that. Like we are bearing that rotten fruit right now as as a culture. The the why it matters to this is that I actually think 
it's a really simple explanation and it's almost silly because you're like, well, why? We we know that, but the way he explained it was actually yeah. so helpful. Yeah. Right? Well, and I think it shows the importance of and and look, answers in Genesis and the Ark, they, the Ark Encounter, they have so many resources for families, and they there's a reason why they're focused on that because you have to build. It's your job as a parent to build your kids' worldview to how they see the world, and you know that's part of I think the problem a lot of people right now are having with doing things like sending your kids to public school for eight nine hours a day. Because you're letting someone else dictate what that worldview is. And so, um, you know, Ken was talking about how important it is to give your kids the proper worldview. And um, like you said, you you end up falling short on so many of these issues. And I shared with you guys, I saw a clip going around last night of uh, Ben Shapiro asking, he was asked, he was doing one of those college talks. Someone asked him a question and said, why, why is monogamous marriage better than polyamory or promiscuity? And... You know, while I agree with his answer, he said he didn't it really wasn't a sufficient answer because he he said he said it's the most valuable form of he said societies are built on healthy bearing and rearing of children and most valuable form of bearing and rearing child rearing of a child is mother and father in the home with biological child they have sired, which is a weird way to put that. But (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but but. That does that to me. That just fault. You're just saying it's valuable. Well, that's Ben Shapiro's opinion, right? Like you've got to have a standard of things that is higher than that. That is that is attached to ultimate truth. And as Christians, we can say, well, why is marriage better? Because God designed it that way and told us to do it that way. Now the statistics bear that out. When you when you see what what Ben was talking about there, he's correct. It's it's valuable in that um, you know the families that that stay together and and do that end up you know, having all these measures that put them ahead of society in, in all these different categories. But that's not our goal. Our goal is not to, right. you know, be like ranked certain things in these categories. Our goal is to follow God and live in the bounds that God has created. He's the one that created all of us. So it makes sense that we would follow what he that he would do. So anyway, so all all that to say that people are making truth claims. And the sooner we realize that and offer a worldview, we can't mandate it on everyone. But we can offer our worldview and say, this is how God designed it, and this is why it's the best. And mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's what Ken is getting at. When we're seeing culture go off the rails on all these things, when someone's asking, well, gee, why is marriage better than polyamory? I mean, it's insane we're even at this point where people would even wonder that question, but they've gone off the rails. And you have to point back to Scripture if you want a really sufficient answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is it is insane that we're at this point, but it is also the result of a, a relativistic yeah. society where the chief um, your like your chief idol is your feelings or what your heart is telling you, and and that those two things serve as your compass. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, we know Scripture says that the heart is deceitful above all things, and no one can know it, not even their own heart. Um, so and, and our our feelings change. We're prone to wander. Uh, is is also you know scripturally based. So yeah. I, you know I think God knew these human propensities, which is why the ultimate way, like the only way to ultimately win any of these 
cultural battles is to first lay the groundwork and have a foundation of absolute truth. Uh, Because if you're not moored to an absolute truth, then what is keeping you from pursuing promiscuity or what is keeping you from being in a relationship that includes more than uh, one person of the opposite sex or somebody of the same sex or whatever? Uh, There is nothing. Right. I mean, yeah. And like, and to your point, so, uh, like, yeah, no, I was just going to say, Trey, that's a great point. And, and I just would add to that, um, like looking at Shapiro's answer on that, it's the, it's like, well, it's valuable because of the statistics, blah, blah, blah. Well, what if they don't care about the statistics, you know, like right. then, okay, then they're just going to go do it. You, you've given them no actual reason, uh, to, unless they happen to care about those statistics too. Mm-hmm. You've given them no reason to stay in a marriage. So, well, and the thing is, to to that point, yes, I, I think um, just pragmatically speaking, like Ben said, Ben, like you were saying, these are more successful ways. But then what do you say to the homosexual person who said, well, we've been really successful at raising our child. <laughs> right. right. So then it's like, oh, well, I guess you're just an outlier and morally that's OK then because – you've been able to successfully right, do it. Right. So if the, if the metric is success, success. if that is the moral, uh, then right. we can, we can, there, there's innumerable exceptions yeah. uh, that can be made. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's a, it's a faulty standard to base it on. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and ultimately it withers eventually if you, if you, you know, uh, go down, if you, you know, investigate it and drill down enough on it. it, it it'll wither. It'll fall apart. It'll yeah. crack. So, exactly. Agreed. So I guess the, the moral of the story and the moral of what Ken Ham was saying is know scripture and know why you yes. believe what you believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Story number three. So a Vancouver woman was blocked for several days uh, from seeing her cancer-stricken mother due to her vaccination status. That is still going on in mm. 2022, in spring of 2022. Um, so now more than uh, two years out from from all of this pandemic stuff beginning. So Elena Pauly's mother, Marguerite, has for several months been in uh, a patient care facility, a long-term patient care facility called Willow Pavilion, uh, which is associated with the Vancouver Coastal Health Hospital Systems. Uh, but last Friday evening, when she began to aspirate, she was moved to the acute care floor of the Vancouver General Hospital, which is right by this pavilion. It's It's a part of the same complex. And her daughter has so far until today uh, been unable to see her mother. And now we should start the story by saying she was finally, uh, after several days of trying, she was finally given a one-time, one-day pass uh, to see her mother uh, after several days of emailing, talking to nurses, talking to hospital staff, uh, and other people also emailing the hospital on Elena's behalf. So we caught up with her yesterday before she got her one-day pass uh, and talked about the situation. She said, you can go to a restaurant, you can go to a theater, you can go out anywhere, but she's been blocked from seeing her mother, who is in serious health decline and and could be nearing the end of her life. Uh, she said she was able to get on Sunday to the front door, the to, to the door of her mother's room before she was stopped asked her vaccination status. She said she was not vaccinated and she was escorted out of the building. Uh, she said, my mother is triple vaccinated. She even has COVID right now. So I'm not sure what we're worried about. Shouldn't it be my consent if I would like to be around somebody who has COVID? Uh, 
so since she was not allowed to see her mother, she did explain that to the staff and they still escorted her out and later said that she could FaceTime with her mom. Um, but Elena said that just didn't go well. Uh, through tears, she said that her mom is just out of it. She said she doesn't understand what's going on. She can't even focus on the FaceTime, really. I just kept saying, I love you, I love you. And that was it. It's been really, really hard. Uh, the most frustrating thing that Polly explained to us is that none of these rules have at all been consistent. Mm. Uh, since last month, all of the Vancouver, you know, in the city, all of their restrictions governmentally have been lifted. A close friend of Polly uh, named Brooke, uh, she's been permitted to visit her own father, who's recovering from open heart surgery at the exact same hospital. Brooke is not vaccinated, just like Polly. Uh, and she was able to walk right into the hospital and see her father. Uh, and when her friend confronted the nurses about Polly's situation, uh, she said that they failed to explain what the reasoning is behind the discrepancy. Uh, and if you look at the VCH COVID-19 uh, frequently asked questions page, it states this, that vaccination requirement, the vaccination requirement does not apply to visits for compassionate care, including critical illness, palliative care, hospice care, end of life and medical assistance in dying, visits paramount to the patient's physical and mental well-being, and visits to support the patient's decision-making. Uh, and Polly fits into several of those categories. She's the next of kin. Uh, she is the power of attorney. Uh, and obviously, her mother is in significant decline, could be at the end of her life. Uh, so, you know, there are several of those categories that she ticks off uh, that should allow her to get into the hospital. In addition, Polly told us she's been incredibly careful throughout COVID. She's not vaccinated, but she said, I don't go anywhere. For two years, I have been just outside on hikes. I've gone to the beach and, you know, pretty distant from other people. I run my company from home, she said, uh, and still... Uh, I have family members who just came in from Edmonton who were on a crowded flight and they were able to go in and see my mother simply because they're vaccinated, even though, as uh, Elena said, we know that the vaccine doesn't necessarily prevent transmission. Yeah. Uh, and they've just been in very crowded places and were allowed. So she just said that logically, none of these rules make any sense. And unfortunately, she said, looking back over the last two years, uh, she said, all I can see is that COVID has given a lot of division between people. It's separating families. It's making, making people fight over things that you wouldn't normally fight over. Uh, she said, it's been extremely, extremely difficult because I know my mom wants to see me uh, and I want to see my mom. And she said the reason she wanted to speak out about this one was because, of course, she wanted to raise enough awareness to hopefully get to see her mother, which looks like that's now going to happen. Uh, but also because she said there are so many, there are innumerable people who have been and currently are in the same situation as I am, uh, who have had to watch from a distance as family members suffer and unfortunately even pass away uh, in isolation by themselves. And she said it's important that at, at this mark in particular, at two years, uh, that we, uh, you know, put an end to this stuff because it's it's long past uh, due. So I know we have a praying audience, Dan. I just want to say before I, you know, get your thoughts, certainly be in prayer for Polly, be in prayer yeah. for her mother, Marguerite, uh, and the rest of the family because, you know, regardless of the COVID layer added to this, it's just devastating to see your your family member and certainly a parent suffer. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. And, you know, you wonder where is the compassion in all this? And I really, I've said this, I think all along is that I feel like politicians, a lot of times in these scenarios, 
will do what do whatever it takes to make it look like they're doing something to help mm-hmm. with these rules. They don't really think they don't want to be you know, politicians are very self-serving. We know this. And they're most worried about their own protecting their own skin, like not getting blamed right. for stuff, right? I got to make sure that I'm I'm taking action and I'm doing things. I mean, I'm looking at Philadelphia right now. And Philadelphia has now reinstituted an indoor mask mandate. Why? What's the big logic behind it? Because cases are rising. Well, that's not a scientific standard. So what if they're rising or they're going up or they're going down? That and and also what what does an indoor mask mandate actually do? There there isn't really significant evidence to show that there's a major improvement in right. the number of exactly. cases when everyone's wearing a cloth mask around. It, it just it's just not there. But they continue to do these things, these officials, because they don't want a, a surge to break out and then be accused of doing nothing. It's fear. It's all fear motivated when people can make their own decisions about whether they feel it's safe enough to go out, inform them of how many cases are going on, and let people decide. But we just seem, in, the, the politicians seem incapable of doing that. They constantly want to baby us and to keep these rules in place. And it's really interesting, Trey, because like, like um, you know, the, the woman you interviewed, you know, what they're talking about, it's this, this is what a lot of Americans feared, is this permanent structure of, Governments turning on and off restrictions. Right. Arbitrary reasons. That is not an American thing. And I just wonder how long people will tolerate this and how long the fear is going to linger of COVID before people say enough is enough. You do not get to just turn on and off restrictions on us when you, when you wish. Uh, that's, that's China. That's what we're seeing in Shanghai right now where people are screaming in their apartment buildings because they've been on 100% lockdown for a week. So, yeah, you know, I, I just it'll be interesting to see how it plays out here. But tragic story there where people are not allowed to see their loved ones who are suffering because of these rules that really just should not be around any longer. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we've covered the, the Canada seems to have been kind of the epicenter for yeah. crazy policies, <laughs> yes, especially against churches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's 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 insane to see uh, what we, not just Canada, but we culturally in the West have come to be okay with accepting in the name of safety uh, over the last two years. I think the interesting thing is, uh, to your point, Dan, I think you're 100% correct that no politician wants to be blamed for anything because uh, they want to protect their uh, the number of check marks they're going to get at the ballot box yeah. during election time. But what's interesting, the ironic part uh, of this is it's backfiring on them. So a lot of them are in echo chambers. I think this is also a big chunk of the issue is they're in echo chambers in D.C. if they're national leaders or wherever, you know, the capital cities around the country uh, in, in different states. And they're surrounded by people who are maybe more inclined to being pro bigger government or being more left. Uh, so they're kind of surrounded by people who are all, uh, you know, in favor of these uh, of these kinds of restrictions. So then they feel like, oh, well, I can go and we can implement them, and everybody will be okay with them because all we're doing is being a benevolent government. Um, but you know, as we've seen throughout state elections. That's backfired. Uh, so we'll see if it's going to backfire, you know, nationally at the midterm. So I don't know yet, but the trend seems to be uh, that it's that it's probably going to to backfire. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I just don't know how much longer people, particularly more than two years in, are going to yeah. be okay with these 
uh, you know, switching the the restrictions on and off, on and off, on and off. Uh, I think uh, people are going to get tired of it. Uh, not to mention how dangerous it is to the economy. It just you can't run an economy no. uh, when the restrictions are going on and off. You know, willy nilly. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And um, we'll we'll clearly be covering this for the long term because it's obviously yeah. not an issue that's uh, going away anytime soon, unfortunately. So. All right, that is all the time we have for this episode of the 4 and 3 Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. You know, we'd love to have you skipping the algorithms and just getting it directly from the source. Be here every day. We'd love to have you. Um, as always, head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And we'll be back here tomorrow, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. God bless. Have a great Tuesday.